Welcome back to the Generation Varied Podcast, everybody. My name is Caleb Norris, and I am your host. This is the podcast where we talk about pop culture, uh, geopolitics, technology, and everything else in between. Um, I'm joined by my two co-hosts here, Ben Okenge and Jack Widener. How are you guys? Doing great, Caleb. Doing good. Yeah. Having a fantastic week. It's sun is coming out now. I actually walked to the grocery store today. Um, and if you don't know, Lexington in a lot of cities aren't like really walkable. There's usually big main streets, a lot of cars, but it just felt good to just feel like I live in a neighborhood, (laughs) but of course I was the only person walking. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, listen to some good music, buying some milk. Um, yeah. How about you, Caleb? Yeah, no, uh, been, uh, been busy, been a busy, busy bee, if you will. Um, trying to make some of my dreams come true here and, uh, actively in the process of doing a lot of that. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, yeah, no, great, good, good week so far. It's going to be a good weekend too. Going to go spend some time with some friends, uh, and, uh, some other people and, and yeah, have a good time. Ben, what about you? Um, well, as I said last week, that I'm traveling right now. So I'm currently in Boston. Uh, just landed here this morning. I'm here for a conference, um, a physical therapy conference. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but yeah, it's it's cold in Boston, man. It's it's cold and it's windy. <laughs> and uh, I, I got stuck spending a little bit more time outside than I would have liked. Um, Is that your first time there? What's that? Is that your first time in Boston? Yeah, it is. It is. So I'm excited to do some of the more touristy things. Today was more about just like settling in and that kind right, of thing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say, fair warning, I'm staying I'm staying in an Airbnb right now and there's a unit above us and I swear they're wrestling up there or something. So if you hear like booming and crashing, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> no, that's funny. It's part of the experience. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Have either of you guys been to Boston before? I have not. I always wanted to. Um, the reason is just a lot of my friends went to the college, the universities there. It's a college town. A lot of movies were based, that I, a lot of movies I like were based in Boston. And my wife's been to Boston and she always talked great things about the city. The only thing I have against it is I'm a huge New York Yankees fan. So ah. it was part of my identity that I have to hate Boston. But I'm the other part of me feels guilty for liking Boston just because all the great culture and great food. And like you said, the great uh, touristy spots that comes with the city. Um, so much love for Boston, but I still hate the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh I've been to Boston a couple of times, but never like for fun. I went to Boston for work like four years ago, and I've had a lot of layovers there. That airport, I hate layovers at <laughs> yeah. that airport. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The airport is pretty miserable. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I have kind of. I travel a lot, have traveled a lot throughout my whole life, internationally, domestically. So I have kind of like a tier, a tier mm-hmm. list of yeah. airports 
and uh, my first experience in Boston's airport, it's it's not doing not doing so good on my tier list. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. We honestly need to have that conversation, <laughs> like ranking the airports we've been in and why. Um, All right, especially different states or <laughs> internationally, because yes, that's a whole conversation. And I, hey, this is something <laughs> I could talk about for hours. Okay, I probably fly like once a month at this point, um, and I prayed growing up, like God, one day I want a job where I can I can fly and travel for work. Don't pray stuff like that, okay? Because you're gonna be you're gonna be older one day and uh, not sixteen, and uh, you're still gonna be taking flights all the time. Very blessed, I'm very appreciative, but uh, I hate flying not because I'm afraid of the airplane, but because I hate every single person that is in the building with me while I while I have to fly. Hate that. It's really crazy, man. It's like you find the. The scum of society in airports. I don't know. I don't know what wow. it is about. The scum, of the scum of society. There's, that's crazy. There's also something that's just like, I don't even know. It's like, I feel like there's just this like vibe of like when you're at an airport of like, oh my gosh, like at least as a single person, I know you guys both have wives, but as a single person, when I'm at an airport, I'm just like constantly like on the prowl, like now who's around here? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I feel like I have like so many. Well, one is a like a lot of nostalgia when it comes to airport because flying to United States as a when I was young, mm -hmm. my family like that's always just like traveling internationally was just a scary thing, mm -hmm. especially going to a place where I'm not familiar with and that has like over 10 hours of travel or single flights. But now, well, the second phase I feel like I had was this curiosity, like what is everyone doing? And why is there so many people traveling? Like, uh, what did they do for the job? And then the third mm -hmm. part is exactly what you both share. Like, I'm excited to be home. Uh, this, this time is irrelevant. I, people stink. Put your shoes back on. Come on now. Yeah. Like just those little things. <laughs> what, what kills me is that it's always, it's like, y'all know you got to take your shoes off. Y'all really <laughs> out here barefoot at 4 a.m. on a Tuesday, Brenda. Bro. You out here, you out here barefoot at if the TSA? Look, if you fly oh. in Africa, all that stuff gets a lot worse. Let me just keep it oh real with you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Flying in Africa I, gets cringy. You know when they do the like applause when you land? Yeah, no way. every single flight in Africa. Yeah, every single time. Oof. That is so funny because I, I feel like everybody has that experience at least one time. And if you didn't, that's great because I hope you never experienced that because it's, <laughs> it's, it's usually a turbulence or a snowstorm or like big thunderstorm and it, it can be scary but when you hear the crowd like clapping it's it's crazy. imagine imagine how insulting that is as a pilot that's so cringy man you out there doing your best flying this plane and you land and you hear a you hear thunderous applause in the background and and folk thanking the thanking god their creators <laughs> that they made it don't I thank, thank yes. me. I, I landed this plane. 
No, but for me, that's one of it's like what's the pilot equivalent to like I have to turn the radio down because I almost I almost hit somebody on the road. <laughs> it's like what is the pilot equivalent of that? I have to know. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. I have I have some friends who fly planes, so I'll I'll, I'll find out. And uh, definitely, aviation is gonna have to be a conversation we come back to because I feel like we could get deep into it. Um, oh, a hundred percent. Oh, for so sure. Clearly, a uh, uh, a hate for uh, bad travel is uh, something that we all have in common. Um, but something else that we have in common uh, that I think is pretty unique that uh, a lot of people don't necessarily do is um, I know that the three of us each do a vision board or a dream board or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so this is something listeners that we've actually never talked about with one another. Um, I know that I knew that Jack had one um, and, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but then just in conversation the other day, Caleb brought up that he also has one. And so that just really made me think like, wow, this is something that the three of us do and we've never talked about. So I just want, kind of want to hear a little bit more about like, first of all, I want to hear from, from you, Caleb, like, what would you even define your, your dream board as? Um, I think in general, when I think about like the dream boards that I've created in my life and the one that I have right now is probably like the most intentional. I think what you have to do is like figure out what you really want and not just, I'm not talking about like material things. Um, at least for me, I'm not like, there's nothing on there about like, I want this kind of car. I want X amount of money or anything like that. I think Dream boards work best when you do soul searching mm -hmm. and when you come back to the root of, and like, why is this my dream, right? Why is this going on this board? And so I, I do mine a lot differently. Um, I, I use mine sort of like affirmations, but that's just because I'm a very strong believer in, in uh, the, uh, I guess the school of thought that like, if you change your thoughts, and if you change your actions, like basically everything sort of follows that, right? So a lot of things that I've worked out in therapy um, with, uh, with, with my therapist back in Savannah was like, how do we reframe this out of such like a negative, like a negative thing into like something better? And so I think anytime that you are intentional with the things that you want and sort of speaking it over your life, you know, like not to be too, not to be too spiritual here, but you know, the, the, the idea that like you can speak life and death into something. Um, so on my, on my dream board, it's a compilation of, of pictures and uh, goals, that kind of stuff. And then a daily affirmation that I try to say every day. Um, and the daily affirmation is really, really long, but I'm proclaiming these things like over my life. And it's sort of, it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a prayer, I guess. Um, and it has everything in it from this is, this is what I want from my life. And these are my prayers, like for people that I love. Like I pray for my future partner every single day. I pray for my future children every single day. And I want to tell them one day, I loved you so much that I have been praying for you for years. 
and you're so special and all that kind of stuff. Like I, every single day I, I made mention of you. So I view it as sort of just like this, this guiding point for me that I acknowledge every single day. And I think that really helps you number one, avoid falling into like deep ruts, but also when you do fall into ruts or when you are, you know, the term that I use is like spiraling when something happens or knocks you off course it's sort of like this like North star back. Right. Yeah. So if you're thinking about creating a vision board, my advice would be, I use it like affirmations. Um, I wouldn't go necessarily mat with material things. I would go with and start with like your values. What are your values? What do you want out of your life? What are the talents and abilities that God has given you? What is the thing that you are terrified and afraid of? Mm. And so there's a, there's another uh, theory and I want to, I guess, I don't know, Jack, what's something that like you're, what's something that terrifies you that you have always wanted to do? I, that's a great question, Caleb. I think something that terrifies me is just creating a life where I'm able to live in both countries in the United States and Taiwan simultaneously in that yeah. just... It's just, um, I love as that. A, as a as a TCK, as a third culture kid, you know, there listeners, what that means, listeners, don't know what that is. Listeners, third culture kid means you know somebody that grew up in a country that is different than their what their passport is, or um, they're born in a country where the parents hold passport different to. I don't know if that makes sense. So, for yeah. example. Uh, my mom's from Taiwan, my dad's from uh, Iowa, but and I was born and raised in Taiwan. Um, so now I have these two very different upbringing, culture, and home, and you mesh it together. Two different cultures, and mm -hmm. that marinated into a third culture. Yeah. And Ben, you are also a third culture kid where you grew yeah. up Canada and different parts of Africa. And right now you're building a knife in America. So a, a, a centerpiece for that is that they're, you know, the third culture essentially. So living overseas, living different country at the same time is almost, I don't know a lot of people who have done that mm -hmm. in a way that's not um, out of scarcity. Mm -hmm. So I want to create that life for myself. But Caleb, well, why don't you figure out how to do vision board? Like, I feel like, again, like what Ben said, it's very odd that, and not very common that people do this. Um, I'm just curious, when when did you know about vision board? So first of all, I, lo I love that, like what you just shared. Like, I, I get how that would be something that is like, I want that, and but that scares me, right? Like, how do I make that happen? I love that. And honestly, when it comes to vision boards, I think the first person whose vision board that I ever saw in person, I think was Ben's. Oh, um, so funny, <laughs> Caleb. Serious. Like, I don't think I ever saw somebody else do it before you at Asbury. And uh, uh, Sophie, you're going to have to bleep that part out, what I just said, because we're not giving no free promo <laughs> on here. Okay. <laughs> That's Asbury, if you're listening to this, that was five dollars. That's ten dollars now because I've said your name twice. Uh, my I am dead. Check. <laughs> no, 
season. But uh, no, I think it was when when we were in school and uh, you were talking about, I think, like the Mamba mentality. And I, I had a respect for the discipline that you had uh, with like working out like even back then. And then I know I remember Jack talking about dream boards and it wasn't until it wasn't until this past summer, like and I've shared briefly that I, I went through a pretty bad depression this past summer that I really sat with myself and I said, what are my values and what do I want out of my life? And that's when I felt like this strong urge of like, you need to get this out of your brain and get it on on something to visualize, right? You need something mm-hmm. to look forward to. Absolutely. And you, you know what's crazy about that, Caleb, is is without knowing it, we are in this like circle uh, because the first person that I ever saw with the vision board was Jack. And so That's crazy. Jack is largely the one who inspired me to get on that. And then if I contributed to you doing it, that's Jack is the source, man. <laughs> That, well, that is crazy that we just connected all those dots wow. here for the listeners. We did not know that before. This is like crazy. a live reaction. Had no yeah. idea. No, that's wild. Um, well, I, I'm happy to talk about where I heard about this from. Um, yeah, so, let's hear it. So when I went to the college I went to, <laughs> the private <laughs> university, <laughs> uh, I was paying my way through school, first in my family, and what I one thing I knew know is I did not want to go back to Iowa that summer. My parents just moved to the United States because I was going to the university. And the Iowa, as much love I have for that state, but that's the last place I wanted to be at during the summer. Um, but basically, an opportunity fell in my lap that I pursued with this company called Southwestern Advantage. And it's this company essentially, the mission is to build and inspire young people to reach their goals and um, building character and help them be learn the successful principles. And at one of the events that attended, uh, the previous CEO had this quote, your endurance of life is directly parallel to the clarity of your vision. Mm. And he was talking about, he was talking about vision casting, essentially just creating a reality that you know that's your life and this is such a foreign concept to me yeah and what he was saying was everybody talks about the goals people write down the goals but what if you see your goals yeah right and what if you see it every day and that's where vision board came from and the way we went about saying these creating this vision board was Caleb, you kind of point out, focus on your value. So we have this sort of be, do, have, be like the characteristics that you want mm-hmm. in, the, in the roles you have in your life, your father, son, boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, mom. And then you talk about what you want to uh, do in your life, experiences. And then the last part, the most, the least important part, which is what you want to have in life, because those things come and go. So you just focus on those characteristics. So Ben being, you know, you're a very disciplined person, like that's the characteristics. And so that's kind of how we, I went about creating my vision board, just reverse engineer 20, mm-hmm. 30, 30, 20, 10, five, three, one years. And what kind of 
father I want to be, what kind of um, friend I want to be, coworker, or eventually, yeah, some you know different roles I will hold in my life. So building around characters because character is something that's going to last a lifetime. Integrity, honesty, patience, discipline. These are things that nobody can take away from you. So yeah. just honing yeah. in on those things. Um, and then we find pictures that represents those things. And yep. behind me is uh, the vision board I created last year. And that's the thing about vision board is you have to constantly innovate it. Mm -hmm. You have to constantly change it because your dreams will also uh, change. Mm -hmm. And and the biggest thing is it's okay um, along the way if you uh, lose, like if you fall behind, yeah. but don't quit. Like that's the biggest thing that yeah. another thing that this person, uh, the CEO, previous CEO mentioned, like building the habit of not quitting. That is the best habit you can build. Yeah. And that always stuck with me. Uh, and yeah, so vision boarding is amazing. I look at my vision board every day from work. Each picture has a meaning behind it, whether that's something that scares me or something I love or just things I know, like I want to be like growing up. Um, and as you're tying those things and living into it, like I'm basically living that reality now. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's where I heard it. Uh, my, after my freshman year, uh, going into my sophomore year, that's when I heard it. A lot of my friends who did a, the same program all created it. We shared it with one another. We're not com comparing our vision board. We are inspiring one another. And that's another big thing. Yeah. Like you yeah. need to make sure you're not comparing it because that is your vision board and no one else's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's such a highly individualized thing. Like, down to the core of what it is and what it looks like. I mean, in, in general, like you, you and I use a cork board and, and tack pictures up onto it, but like mine has a whole background onto it that everything is tacked onto. And that mm -hmm. has a personal symbolic meaning to me. And, you know, just everything from the intention behind it to the style itself is, is so personalize and, and I think that's something that's so important for, for people who do want to do this. Think about, am I doing this so that I can motivate myself, so that I can inspire, so that I can be reminded of my of who I want to be or who I already am? Um, is it just for the act of making an investment in myself as well? And, and probably it's going to be some combination of all of those things. Um, but just have intention behind it. If, if that's something that you're going to do, um, do the deep thinking. Um, I, I'll just say that um, there was a long time when I would go hang out with Jack in his dorm room and I would look at his vision board and I'd say, man, that's such a cool idea. Like, I, I love that concept. And yeah. for months, I just looked at his vision board and thought about it and was like, what would I put on mine? And I never just did it, but the actual step of like going out, I remember I went to Walmart by myself one time with only this in mind. And I went and I bought a cork board and I bought all the little supplies that I would need to be able to do this. And I sat in the library at our university and 
you know, <laughs> was downloading all these pictures that I knew I wanted to print out and, and cut up with scissors and like arts and crafts type stuff that I hadn't done since I was a kid. And I had no desire to do those actual, those yeah. actual things. But the process was, I knew it was such an investment in myself. And now it's something that I update at least once or twice a year um, because it's it's a dynamic chart. Some of the things I know are going to be on there for as long as I have this, but some of them are like goals that I've already conquered and accomplished. And I can take yeah. those down and I could put something new up on the board. And um, so it, it is important to keep a dynamic mentality about it. I think on, on one more thing on this topic from me is that um, this is not a quote from me. This is Mel Robbins uh, who said this. So if, if you don't follow Mel Robbins, uh, I think a lot of her content is great. But she said, your dreams are not there because every single one of them are supposed to come true. Hmm. Your dreams are there as a North Star. Right. So you follow your dreams because on the way to following your dreams and following that North Star you come into contact with the people, the places, and the things that you are supposed to be uh, surrounded by and involved in the places that you're supposed to be surrounded by. And also, if you don't follow your dreams, they'll haunt you. Yep. So one thing that I'm very big on, I always want to have a clear conscience. I always mm -hmm. want to be able to lay my head on my pillow at the end of the night and know that I did my very best at whatever it is, right? Um, that's the reason why I, I, I try my best not to lie to folks because it's like, I don't like remembering it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, mm -hmm. And also keeping all that stuff bottled up, that stuff will age you like an avocado. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be out here wrinkled up early because I'm holding in some BS lies. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah, I think true. you have to follow your dreams because if you don't, you're the, it, it will haunt you. Like they're not gonna go away. Which yeah. I, I think is is the reason why honestly I pulled out when once I heard that quote I think that's what when I got serious about getting a dream board together because it's like it, that that thing that's in the back of your mind that you want to do that you've always dreamed of doing and you've just been too afraid or you didn't have the money or whatever it is or you've told yourself that you as a person are not are not worth all of that or that's for the glamorous people that's for the special people you're one of the special ones right you're one of the special ones no I, you, I love that. That. <laughs> i think the, the key thing of what you're saying is is that like these these vision boards they they are a tool it's yeah. not they aren't yeah. the they aren't the end goal. And so this is just a tool that will allow you to take action. Yeah. One of yeah. the things that you talked about last week that that resounded with me is just about confidence and how you build confidence. And um I I have a quote about that 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 applies perfectly to the vision board. Um it's it's a quote from Alex Hermosi and basically the way it applies to the vision board is that like just having a vision board is not what's going to get you to that goal. You need to do yeah. work. And so what he says is confidence without evidence is delusion. You don't become confident by shouting affirmations in the mirror, but by having a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are. And so I, I strongly encourage everyone who's listening, like, make the investment in yourself to do this because it's worth it. It is an excellent tool but don't just stop there because like I said, it is a tool. It is not the end. And so go ahead, use it, 
motivate yourself, inspire yourself, remind mm -hmm. yourself of who you are and, and take action on those things. Ben, I think you hit the nail on the head. The vision board is not going to solve your problem. It's not going to solve your fears, anxiety, mm -hmm. and excuses. It should inspire you. And another thing that's important is share with your friends. When's the last time you talk about your friends? Talk to your friends and what, ask them what their goals are or what inspires them. These are how your friendship can deepen. You know, we are creatures that long to be close to people. We're relationship is the most important thing. This is a great way to take your relation to the next level is asking those great questions. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What are your values? And keep each other accountable, like what Ben said, action, 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 um, and having a vision board. And that's something you can look at, like, oh, how am I accountable to those things today? And asking your friends those questions as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jack, tell us, tell us about your weekend. Yes. Uh, sorry, man. I got lost in that conversation. I love that. <laughs> this past weekend, I, and I hope many of you had a chance to witness a great Super Bowl 58. So what well, I went to Sophie's, our producer, she held, held a amazing Super Bowl party. It's on the Probably one of the best Super Bowl I've been to because the snacks and the company was there. Um, it was just great. And there's different pockets of group from people who who are just there to visit one another. There are people there who are really into the game like myself. And then there's their kind of floating in between. So it was a great time. And <laughs> so this weekend on Sunday, we witnessed the longest Super Bowl. Uh, on TV, as well as the most watched Super Bowl uh, ever. Uh, so, Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers 25 to 22 in overtime, winning their fourth Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, as well as completing the back to back NFL titles, which is truly establishing themselves as a dynasty. So, according to Adobe Analytics, um, and there are uh, other sources, AP News, ESPN, the game averaged 123.7 million viewers across uh, television and streaming platforms. So that is a record. But before I get Caleb and Ben, before I get your immediate reaction, I want to ask, um, I want to play a little game. It's called Hit and Miss. I'm going to ask these uh, five questions or well, four questions. And, you know, if. So the question would be this, like, if blank was a hit or a miss uh, this year okay. at the Super Bowl, and share your quick answer and the, the biggest reason behind it. Um, I think this is a fun way to help our audience break down, you know, what happened and what are some of your hot takes, if you have any. So first of all, hit and miss the game. Was it a hit this year or was it a miss if you watched it? All right. I'm going to have to say that I cannot truthfully answer this one because I only watched the first <laughs> half. And so maybe that, that just maybe that means But bro, tragedy. I needed to go to sleep, man. And you said it yourself. This is the longest Super Bowl game ever. Now, if I'm going off of the highlights that I watched, I would say it's a hit. However, you know, over time, like that, that's you can't beat that. That's what the people want to see. But I definitely, definitely can't act like I stayed up for it. 
<laughs> Caleb, what about you? Is this a game? Is the is Super Bowl Fifty Eight a hit or miss? It was a mess. Wow. It was, a, it was a mess for the. Uh, it was a miss for the Forty Niners primarily. That's because right. They, they cheered for Forty Niners. They <laughs> lost the game. Literally from like I I felt like coaching errors like. The, I mean, and so this wasn't my my initial thought, but one of the uh, one of the uh, people that I work with, they mentioned like uh, going into halftime, the 49ers had three three uh, timeouts left and they just like let the clock run down. And like it's like what like, wait a second, why are we not literally using every single opportunity to try and like score here? Right. Uh, towards the end, uh, I did think it was I did think it was really cool that that last play that they ran, they held off from using that play all season. They did not use that play one time throughout the season, so nobody had ever saw it. That is like, I, I love that. Like, I just love that because I love like the strategy of football. Like, I, I love. Uh, I, I would love to be like a play caller one day, if we're being honest, because I, I do really just enjoy like the, yeah. the strategy of it and everything. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I think it was a big mess for the Forty ers uh, Yeah. Well, I was able to watch the full game. I watched every. Honestly, I missed one commercial or two but i watched from beginning to the end and i had to put my money where my mouth was and that's for the kansas city chiefs to win so i would say it was a a hit uh it was a great game first obviously it was a little slow and a lot of people went to bed but the second half including the overtime which is by the way the second overtime in super bowl uh a second game in super bowl to go over in overtime uh, ever so crazy so it was a hit for me uh i really enjoyed the game and honestly caleb i feel like it's more mahomes really find a flow more yeah. than 49ers beating themselves uh, yeah because he was just moving the ball all right next question hit or miss the halftime show with usher what do you guys think hit or miss I think it was a hit. I think he I think he came out. He crushed it. The thing is this though is that it's like is it like a top 5 performance of all time? I don't think so. But I don't think it was a miss at all. Like he performed his well, a couple people missed in that performance. <laughs> I knew you were when Alicia Keys hit that first note and voice cracked, I feel like there was a collective Black people everywhere was was like, "Are you serious? You, you let me get this straight. You've been singing this song since two thousand and four. You should have changed the key. You can't sing it that high no more, and that's okay. But don't lie to yourself. You know what I'm saying? I think in Alicia Keys's mind, she sings like Jasmine Sullivan, but in reality, she sings like Alicia Keys." So I thought, I mean, and also like, I didn't like that um, uh, her wasn't actually playing the guitar. She was very clearly uh, not playing that guitar. And so like, there are a couple like that. She was not playing that. No, there's no way. I did not know. I was like, I didn't know she could play guitar like that. Can play guitar like that. She's insane. But that was, she, she laid that track before, which is fine. 
it, it's it's fine that you do that, but so she's also to my and I I haven't fact checked this so, but she's the first black woman to own that Fender like uh, that that specific type of Fender guitar. Wow. Um, so I, I thought that was really cool. But Usher did amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. I'm gonna have to say it's a hit. Last week I was saying that you know I want to see which Usher we're gonna get, and we got all of it, and I I loved that. Um, I will say that one of my friends this past week said something that resonated like crazy with me and it, it might hit home with you guys too. And he said, bro, I know that we are finally getting old now because <laughs> like the Super Bowl halftime show is marketed towards us now. He's <laughs> like, if you go watch the Super Bowl as a kid, you're watching the halftime show like who are these people? Mm -hmm. Why, like, you know, you might know the headliner, but then everyone else you don't know. Whereas, like, now where we are, you know, I'm seeing Alicia Keys. I'm what? I'm losing it, you know. And uh, so, I, I think we're getting old. Don't worry about that. We're I'm young. We're all young. <laughs> I'm not gonna worry about that. Yeah, uh, I said he's young. I'm young too. Don't worry about that. No, I thought I thought it was a hit. Same um, sentiment as you, Caleb. It was a great performance, but was it a top five? I don't think so. Yeah. It was fun to see all the other um, singers and performers that showed up. Uh, there's, I love the videos of um, when people like listening at their home and they're just dancing to Usher, and next you know Luda come on the screen and start spinning his rhymes, you know, uh, just people really enjoying the Super Bowl. So I love that. Moving on to the next question, uh, hit or miss commercials. Is yes. it a hit or a miss? All right. Yeah. And I, I sort of get it. I think everybody's just afraid of doing anything controversial that's going to get them canceled. Um, and so everybody was like very much in the pocket this year. That's yeah. one thing I was thinking about because when I watched the whole uh, Super Bowl, there are definitely commercials that stood out. There are definitely trailers. I was excited to see that was there, and some of them weren't. But at the end of the day, I definitely felt like some of the big players that I'm used to seeing wasn't there. And I honestly can't name them off of my head, but that was just my reaction. And I was thinking a bit more into this, and I actually saw um, Tyrese Halliburton. He's a basketball player on Indian and Pacer. He tweeted that what happened to the commercials, like what happened to this country. But I think what he was pointing towards, like there are a few things that make Americans feel, well, for me at least, like there are a few things that make me feel very patriotic about being American, and that's Little League uh, Baseball. And, and Team USA basketball, and I think the commercials at a Super Bowl. There's just something about just uh, what what that brings to people uh, in America. It's people get excited about that. Kids stay up late watching TV, uh, watching the uh, the game. Like that's. Um, but I feel like this year, yeah, like some we definitely did see all the big brands. We did see a lot of them, um, but I thought it was a miss for sure. Yeah, mar marketers for these big companies that have $7 million to drop on these commercials do better, okay? Do better. 
Ben, if you're talking, we can't hear you, man. Something else. I, I, no, no, Maybe. my bad. I, I just said that just just throwing in more celebrities into your ad is not what's going to make me enjoy it. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the Dunkin' Donut commercial. <laughs> that was a good commercial. I, yeah, but at the same time, you could have put Jake from State Farm in that commercial and I would have had the same type of reaction, you know, like you're I so just don't feel like throwing stars in a, in a commercial is what's going to make it a good commercial. It's got to be well written too. Like yes, see, that, story. Like that one was good because it was well written, not because, you know, of who's in it. Right. So, like I don't want to see Ryan Reynolds and nothing else again. All right. I don't want to <laughs> see him in no more commercials. Ryan, if you're listening to this podcast, we want you to come on as a guest. We just don't want to see you in in any more commercials. Okay. We need to switch to Ben. Well <laughs> Finally, uh my last question. Uh I know uh it's the love story. It's a hit or miss. Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey got his ring. Taylor Swift at the suite. You know, we got every bit of uh, <laughs> a, a screen, a, a, a her on the shot uh, here and there throughout the game. Um, the, this is honestly, the storybook is, the chapter is completed. It, it feels like a, yeah. it just feels like a story. Um, so I'm going to just say <laughs> it's a hit. Uh, unfortunately, like, I know what we've been saying the last two episodes or three. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's hard to write this up. Not. Yeah. You can't write yeah. this up for sure. I'm gonna let Caleb. Cause we, we know what Caleb's winding up for. My thing. First of all, I want to say this, that we've talked about Taylor Swift. I feel like in almost every podcast episode <laughs> so far, which has been unintentional. Hey, this is the last the one. I swear. This is the <laughs> last one. <laughs> I, in general, my sentiment about Taylor Swift is that she catches too much heat from people all the time uh, for for stuff that she shouldn't. There's a lot of misogyny uh, surrounding uh, the conversation about Taylor Swift at the NFL, uh, and I think I think like that I'm not about. I will say that it seemed very staged and almost like he had rehearsed the this line of like, "Thank you so much for traveling 13 hours." across the world to be here in this moment. He he repeated that exact that exact line, that exact phrasing three times. And the thing is this, the show ended and by the time the Super Bowl started, there was 33 hours to do that and she had a private jet. So it wasn't like like Taylor in what world was she digging into though these these potholes. <laughs> My only thing is this is it's like it just seemed very rehearsed to me. That that's it. Yeah, they didn't give him the update of his script. They were like, I mean 33. I mean <laughs> I mean it, it takes thir- it took 13 hours, but it's like you had 33 hours to fly. Yeah. It wasn't a tight, yeah. So anyway. like I'm well, I'm honestly I'm gonna have to say hit, honestly, you know. Uh like you said, Jack. Storybook ending. Uh, now, given her track record, I don't know how much longer I expect this to go on for. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. But if this were, okay. if this is where it ends, then I'm happy. If 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 not, whatever. I'm not gonna be following along. But uh. so, so here's my theory. Uh-oh. Here we go. 
Everybody's brilliant. me as I go full <laughs> cowboy Caleb mode here, okay? Uh, my theory is this, is that if this is a business deal, here's what's going to happen. The next love album that she writes is going to be about losing love that's like great, but this person wasn't like mean to me or harsh to me. We just fell out of love, right? Because her uh, a lot, a good majority of her songs uh, lately have been about people like doing her wrong. And so to freshen up her music catalog, she has to have a different sort of love experience, right? So if this is staged, here's what's going to happen. A good portion of her music, probably not this album and probably not the next album, because you know that she already has that one sort of like working right now. But in the next two to three albums, we will hear uh, music that is sort of like he was wonderful and I was in love, but it just didn't work out. And what will happen to Travis Kels is this. Travis Kels will become mainstream as the men's mental health like advocate. And that, that if this becomes, if that happens, you cannot convince me that this wasn't orchestrated behind the scenes, right? If Travis Kels fades back into obscurity after this and after he's like post NFL, then, then I will believe that it was true. Right. But I don't personally think that, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know what, what the truth is, but I think that that's what would, that's sort of the fallout that would happen is that he's going to be paraded around as one of the front NFL people. And he's going to be paraded around as like a men's mental health advocate and all of that kind of stuff as sort of like the poster boy, um, which I think is, is, isn't a bad thing, but I think that we'll see those two sort of scenarios and plays come out if their relationship is fake, but. Okay. Listeners, you heard it. You heard it first on generation fairy podcast. So we shall find out. Uh, Final things, just uh, wrap it up. The Super Bowl, uh, well, not wrap it up, but some things I want to call out. Um, yeah, most watched NFL uh, uh, Super Bowl ever, and I think we're still looking into why that is the case. And one of the biggest reasons is they're starting to count the numbers a little bit differently. I as I was looking into this, they're including out of home experience. What that means is the pub, the bar a watch party, they're counting those numbers. But also this was streamed on CBS, Nickelodeon, per Paramount Plus. And is there a new fan base? Uh Taylor Swift fan base, uh dad and mom, a uh, dad and daughter dynamics. Um is this a sports betting? Because we know this was a record breaking uh event for Las Vegas itself. Unfortunately Las Vegas didn't cash out a lot because uh majority of people bet it on the Chiefs. So America won, and the betting industry took an L this time, but I'm sure they have more opportunities in the future. But yes, what a great Super Bowl. I love all the answers, Caleb and Ben, about what what hit or what missed. And listeners, if you disagree with what we'll share, let us know. We want to know. But yeah. It's, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that was definitely a hit was uh, Beyonce's commercial with Verizon. That that popped off. I will say people are sort of saying like Beyonce announcing a new album, Renaissance Act 2, uh, during like Usher's, like right after Usher's halftime performance is sort of like uh, proposing to somebody at somebody else's wedding. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'll just say this. My sentiment on this is this. What a blessing for Usher. Right. 
what a blessing for him to have Beyonce do do that. I mean, Beyonce can do whatever she wants, but I digress. <laughs> uh, I was genuinely under the impression that we weren't going to get an act two and act three, if we're being honest, because I just thought it was one of those things that was just like not going to happen. Like, you know how artists like promise things that I, I mm-hmm. literally did not think we were getting an act two. But um, for the for our listeners who don't know, during the Super Bowl ad for Verizon that featured Beyonce, um, uh, in various ways, the 32-time Grammy Award-winning performer released two new country songs um, that sort of affirm the prior suspicions that Beyonce's new album uh, is going to be a country album. The songs Texas Hold'em and 16 Carriages will be a part of uh, Renaissance Act Two, and the album is set to debut on March 29th. Now, Jack, what do you know about uh, the state of country music as it is today? Zero, and that's just because I don't listen to the country music. I have, like, my friends. I have a lot of friends who love that category. There's definitely songs that um, that's just very funny and fun to sing along with but or sing along to but in general i don't know much about what's going on in the country music world in the united states i have heard of texas hold'em uh my brother sent that to me asap once it came out and yeah so i have listened to it um definitely never heard anything like that from beyonce before and i'm excited Okay, well, we're going to circle back to that because obviously we don't have any real Beyonce fans in here. <laughs> oh, listen. Chill, chill. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. She's from Houston. Listen. listen Forget I, I, that. It didn't start with Halo, you know? I lived in Houston for six months when I was a year old. So as a oh my God. as a Texan wanna... myself. Well you are a pure Texan. Oh man. <laughs> as a Texan myself. Uh no uh so Beyonce has done a couple of different country tracks before, but I think the reason why this one is like so is gonna be so significant is that for those of you that don't remember, Beyonce and her lemonade album, I believe it was, she actually released a song called uh daddy lessons that is a country song right and she did a duet or not duet but she had the dixie chicks featured on it and then they performed it at the country music awards for those of you who don't aren't familiar with the country music awards it was the most viewed moment of country music awards like history right and what happened afterwards is there was such this backlash from conservatives and from uh, country fans uh, that uh, the CMA Awards actually pulled it from their website and pulled it from their social media because people were angry that Beyonce was in that space performing a country song. So um, what what I don't think people understand, and this isn't, uh, I, I don't want everything to like always go back to, to race on the podcast, but what people don't understand is that country music is is black music. Black people invented country music and that's not that that's not my opinion that is literally just history. Um so for those of you who don't know country music uh is considered and this is even by the um by by all major uh record labels by all major, you know, musical institutions, country music uh was created by 
black musicians. So um, the tradition dates back to 17th century. The first string bands in the uh, in country music were made up of enslaved people. Um, black spirituals uh, sung by enslaved uh, African Americans were considered the oldest American folk songs. Um, and then just like most popular music, the, the main thing that's driving country music are what we would consider like blues chords, right? Um, and blues chords are pretty much responsible for, I would say, 80% of every single thing that plays on, on the radio, right? So rock and roll, gospel, um, gospel dips a little bit into jazz, but like jazz, country, like all of the major genres essentially go back to black musicians. Um, and so country music in the U.S. began with black people. More specifically, the story of country music begins with the banjo. The modern day banjo is a descendant of West African instrument made from gourds. Um, and then when enslaved people uh, were taken from Africa to America, their instruments came with them. And for 400 years, enslaved people created their own music, hymns, spirituals, um, all of that kind of stuff. And so, uh, in fact, it was noted back in the 1950s that the banjo was not an instrument that white people were allowed to play because it was viewed as a black instrument. Um, so I think there's been this big outcry um, of of people saying like, well, this isn't going to be, this isn't real country and we can't say anything because if we say something, then, then we're going to be viewed as racists, right? And what I want people to understand and to take away from this is, is that country music has always been black. It's all, it's always been rooted in black history and black culture. Um, black people are our country. There are black, there are plenty of black people that live in the country. There are plenty of black people that are Southern Americans, Appalachian Americans, uh, people, people that lived in, in more rural areas and this sort of, uh, quest to keep it very homogenized by by some of the voices uh that are out there is 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 very uh off-putting if we're being honest and so i'm i'm sure that we will see a lot of um a lot of back and forth over the next uh next year or so about this album um and there will be a lot of pushback for it but if you listen to the two songs that beyonce put out these are country albums she's staying mm -hmm. true to her roots um, even, even like cowboy culture, nothing kills me more. Somebody asked me the other day on, on Twitter, I go by the name, like cowboy Caleb. And somebody asked me the other day, like, Oh, like what are you appropriating cowboy culture? And it's like appropriating. That's like the um, reverse culture vulture, man, because they don't know who the cowboys were. <laughs> well, 70% of cowboys were like black. Exactly. Like the like the the westerns that we see are not like th these aren't like historical pictures of like what the actual west was like. The west was primarily and cowboys were primarily made up of black and latinos. Um, and then there's also a you know a, a huge like queer influence in cowboy culture as well. Um, so yeah, I I just think that, and I think this brings us back to and I know we're going longer on this podcast, but I'm wrapping things up. It brings us back to a question that uh, that Esther. Do you guys you guys remember Esther Jodhav at Asbury, right? Mm -hmm. Doctor Jodhav now. Um, mm -hmm. Esther, if you're listening Doctor. to this, we love you. Um, but <laughs> Esther talked about something with us about how how do we get majority students to understand that they have culture outside of religion and like money, basically. 
Mm. How do we mm. get them connected to something within culture? So I, I, I actually, as somebody who's biracial, who's half black, half white, I understand the outcry and like sort of what what happens when black people are um, when black people are present in predominantly white spaces or something that feels like like doesn't belong to them because it feels like a portion of their culture is being taken away from them or like right. it's being appropriated. And so I think we have to go back to this concept of it's not good to gather culture around um, specifically just like the color of your skin, but more so like looking at looking at a culture from multiple lenses between like, what is my ethnicity? What is my lived experience? Ge geography, all of that kind of stuff. And having a lot more grace to be open and accepting to other people being present in spaces that they might not have previously been a part of. So um, that is, uh, wow. th that is our, uh, that's our show for, for the day here. Closing us out here. We have a couple of shout outs um, I've got some shout outs, Jack, but I'm going to turn things over to you guys in just a second. So get your shout outs ready. Um, wanted to shout out my mom. Uh, love you, mom. Happy Valentine's Day. My best friends, Blair and Andrew. Love you guys. Madison and Anna. And then my OG, uh, OG boys, Juan, Jackson and Justin. Uh, you guys have a great day. I wanted to shout you guys out on this podcast. Love all of you guys. So I have two people on shout out. First is uh, my wife, Becca. We had our six year anniversary yesterday since we first started dating and second is my sister uh today is her birthday so shout out to k so those are my two shout outs yeah i only have one shout out today um and my shout out is gonna be to maria brown uh she's like <laughs> my, my second mom uh my american mom i should say and um the other day uh, she texted the three of us a word of encouragement that just really meant a lot because uh, she's someone that like we didn't necessarily ask to listen to this podcast. And she was just still very excited to be a part of this. So shout out to you, Maria. We really appreciate you listening and we love you. Um, wow. We heard so much things today from Vision Board to Ripple to even break down to American history and this so yeah i learned so much about i mean you and caleb uh today uh, ben and caleb today um and i love doing this so hopefully next week we'll bring more of this listeners and of course follow us on all platforms uh social media platforms give us a five-star rating and share this with your friends because uh yeah that'd be great <laughs> yeah uh, we've got a lot of exciting things happening coming up in the future, uh, but you guys have a great one and we'll see you next week.